Every once in a while, you'll see stories in the news of people who were proven innocent or released after spending years in prison. My guest this week learned of one such innocent person and actually went on a 20-year quest to get them off of death row. This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. One person who might make an interesting future guest is Betty Diamond of Madison, Wisconsin. Betty recently made headlines because she checked out Old Paul the Mighty Logger, a collection of Paul Bunyan stories by Glenn Rounds, from a Queens Public Library branch in 1957. And she had it all this time. She mailed back the overdue book this week along with a $500 donation. I'll bet that's a load off. Can you imagine constantly looking over your shoulder, just waiting for the long arm of the library law to come crashing down on you? Congrats to Betty for finally setting things right. Of course, you'd already know about Betty if you had visited my website, keithconradmedia.com, and signed up for my free email newsletter, The New Side Quest. Every single weekday, you'll get a slew of interesting stories just like that one, along with my snarky commentary and a few even more snarky gifts. That's KeithConradMedia.com and sign up for the news side quest. My guest this week is Tracy Lamore. And uh, Tracy, last week I had a, a, a story about a, a man who was accused of murder and ultimately convicted of murder. And basically his receipt from Hertz Rent-A-Car would have completely exonerated him, except Hertz wouldn't give it up. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure who to be more mad at in that situation if it's Hertz Rent-A-Car for not giving the receipt or the prosecutor for continuing to prosecute the person, despite the fact that he was saying, hey, this receipt is going to show that I'm innocent. Yeah, that is a disturbing story because exactly like, you know, it's one thing you're already, de- I can't even imagine. I was, you told me that when I was like, oh my gosh, because you're already dealing with the, you know, the nightmare of the criminal justice system having the wrong and the whole weight that they can put against you, you when they're wrong. And then you, you're, oh, I can't even imagine having your, you have basically in the palm of your hand, almost the proof. And then the company that you were a customer of says, no, we're not going to give that to you. Like, that's beyond, that's like a whole other level. Oh my goodness. Yeah. On the one hand, it seems like there has to be something more to that story, but I can't imagine what it would be like, like what their justification would be. But, um, so, you know, I, I'm always very interested in, in hearing about stories where, um, you know, pe- people are, you know, wrongly accused and sort of, sort of what happens to, you know, sort of clear their name and uh, get out of that situation. And you have a story that fits really nicely into that. A 20 year journey for me and a 25 year journey for the person that was convicted. Yeah. And, um, it's a, it's, you know, honestly, it's like a movie and it probably will be a movie, <laughs> likely, but, um, for real but i mean when i look back on it it's unbelievable it feels like a book you know like i read a book only i I lived the whole thing so basically long story short (laughs) as short as i can make the intro is my husband dave parkinson and i had um had a college radio show on university of toronto radio in 93 or 94 when i met him and that's it was mostly activist stuff and advocacy and you know anti-racism things and you know other things that are called social justice and uh when that show was no more because they made it a nighttime show and a music show and we weren't interested so we kind of walked away from it 
then the, it was the early days of the internet. So here's the internet and now we still have a possibility, you know, to have a voice and to speak out about the kinds of things we've been speaking out about before. So we were just looking at making, you know, a basic little informational webpage just for our spot on the internet that would cover some of the issues that we were concerned with. And we were bit, literally just looking for links and somehow we came across across because we were not looking at anything about to do with criminal justice the death penalty certainly wasn't in our in our thoughts we'd never known anybody in prison or anything like that but we somehow came up across what was actually it turned out it was a pen pal request but he was saying i'm not looking for pen pals i don't need a girlfriend i just literally this is the only way to get my word out there i understand there's this internet thing and i'm hoping somebody sees this and helps me and um people have asked what you know what what made you guys actually get involved what made you actually write a letter so i've been thinking about that a lot because it wasn't just sending an email and saying, hey, it was literally we took a pen and a paper and wrote a letter to a guy on death row, the de on death row that we didn't know and said, okay, I remember my husband and I were saying, well, how innocent can this guy be? But for some reason we wrote and he wrote back 18 pages on both sides, you know, very smallly written so he could get all kinds of information in there. And he sent all the, the court documentation that was in his cell at the time. Later, mm -hmm. we ended up getting thanks to some people in Peoria who got involved when they heard about the case through us. They ended up going and getting the actual legal documents from the whole the whole trial. So not too long into this, we were able to read the entire transcripts. But even from the, you know, the the initial information that we saw, we knew this is so obviously not right. I mean, the very basics, right to the from the description. And then the more that you read, the more it got disturbing. And here we were, 28 years old, entry-level salespeople. We didn't have a radio show anymore. Certainly didn't have anything to do with media. We weren't lawyers, but we had just asked this, you know, reached out to this desperate person for information. Mm -hmm. So now what do we do with that information? And, and where no, was this? Where was the prisoner? Were they in Canada there or in the U.S.? No, this is Philadelphia. Sorry, we we haven't had the death penalty in Canada since uh, the late '60s or mid '60s. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you know, so this is just like we weren't looking to go and get involved in the Pennsylvania case. It was. It literally was just this. We saw it. Something struck us to write to this person, and then once he wrote back, and we were convinced there was an issue here. What do we do? Just say thank you for your 18-page letter. We were just you know surfing. <laughs> you know, or do we try to do something with it? So we, you know, felt compelled to try to do something with it, try to get the attention of lawyers or somebody with money who could buy a lawyer. That was our initial thinking. Ultimately, you know, it was like, a, so we started getting, you know, I learned to write a press release basically in 1998. These days I'm an international award-winning publicist, literally working across industries. And so it's interesting to know that now, but back then I was literally entry-level telemarketing sales, never would have thought anything to do with being a publicist between but, but now and then or between then and now I learned literally without meaning to <laughs> wasn't trying to yeah. you know get um work for a career or anything but I literally learned how to manage media we ended up getting um you know major international attention and that kind of thing so that's why why I ended up building 20 years later I had that aha moment oh wait I could probably you know build this into a career but more importantly when we were just going along this um trajectory with jimmy dennis who would by the way he'd been convicted in 1991 of a crime that he did not do like actual factual innocence we're talking about so in 1992 he was convicted and sent to death row in 1998 in june so six years in is when we see his note on the internet and we reach out and write to him by june uh, or by a month later by may 
after he'd send that information, we're like, okay, so what are we going to do with it? So my husband learned to make a web page, and I learned to write a press release. And so literally learned how to write a press release on the Alta Vista, the precursor to Google in 1998. Wow. Exactly. So that, and I found it the other day, 20 years later, and I was like, oh, it was pretty good. <laughs> but I mean, we, I literally learned to write a press release and reach out to him media. Now, nationally within the States, when he was on death row, I didn't get any real media play, a little bit here and there. But in those days, it was before all the days of the wrongful conviction podcasts. And, you mm-hmm. know, so if someone was convicted, it was really hard to get any attention. But we got a lot of attention internationally in Canada and places in Europe and Australia and ended up getting a little, support team that ended up being about 15 to 20 people strong that were wow. i mean that stayed constant you know some i guess some of them came in and out through the years and as people get married or leave or you know change their lives and don't have time to invest in a cause but there was a group of about 10 people that stayed constant internationally and if that it was that group that became the justice for jimmy support team and two years in um, a law firm, which is like a, I mean, it's literally like unicorns. But watching movies, you think this happens a lot, but in real life, it's impossible, really, to find a law firm that's willing to go pro bono to to unravel, to put in all the work that has to be put in to get a person off a death row. And in this yeah. case, it's Washington law firm called Ongren Porter. By the luck of the, you know, they were looking for a case of pro of factual innocence to do pro bono. They had actually determined they were going to do a pro bono case so they could get their teeth into, and. Because of the noise that we had made or because, of, you know, when they started asking around, people told them to look at the Jimmy Dennis case in Pennsylvania. And ultimately, they became involved. I think it was in 2001 or 2000. And they started doing the legal work. And it took 17 years. He was ultimately released in 2017. And that's how long it takes, you know, to unravel this stuff. That was a team of several lawyers. And it would have been, he would have been dead if that hadn't happened because nobody had millions of dollars to buy seven lawyers to do all this research, to do all this work, to do all this. And they just, you know, it's just incredible what happens if you don't. You know, even I've been through it for twenty years, and I still don't even have an understanding of the whole system and the appeals and the circuit courts, and the, it's just a nightmare. And so, finally, in twenty thirteen, a judge went our way, determined, and finally, and said in her uh, Anita Brody in a a precedent-setting decision that it was clear that he was, you know, wrongly convicted. And then it took another three years before we were able to actually get him off of death row. So ultimately he was on death row for 25 years and we were involved since we were, we were all 28 years old. He's a year younger than us. My husband and I were 28 years old. And by the time he was released, we were 47 years old. We're 51 now. So we've literally been on a lifetime journey with Jimmy Dennis. We still talk almost every day. He calls our children his niece and nephew. And, you know, these days, it's funny because by the time he got out, now those telemarketers are, have thought about, you know, have had that aha moment, started doing PR for companies. And we're now right. international award-winning publicists, literally. And now he got gets out. First thing he does is go back to the recording studio where he was when they stole him at age 21. He was about to go in to record. He was about to get signed and, and be on an R&B career. And so like he always says, we've literally made history because he's the first person that came out after 20 years on death row, 25 years. And, and, and he's, hasn't changed his dream he's gone back to his original dream and he's he's recorded four songs since the latest is a a really hopeful song called tears this year which is like a gift to the world after the year that we've had but um he had basically had no voice for 25 years and now he has one he's using it to sing he's making beautiful music that is getting noticed by the industry not as a um you know not as a uh 
novelty act, but as an R&B artist and record companies are sniffing around. So it is a crazy epic story where literally, you know, we were telemarketers <laughs> and he was a death row prisoner. Nobody was listening to. Yeah. And now he gets out and he's on panels with Ja Rule and Naughty by Nature and speaking to all kinds of industry people. And we're literally international award winning publicists. It's like, if you told me this would happen, I would never have believed it. If you wrote it as a script, people would say it's not believable. <laughs> You know, so so a couple of things jumped out at me there. First of all, it took three years from the time that like the judge said yep. that he was innocent to get him off of death row. Like, how does that happen? Because you would prosecutors think- keep because the other side doesn't agree. They they like to hold. I mean, those prosecutors they want to they build careers on this stuff, and you know, yes. it, also, it also could hurt their careers when they find out that somebody they put somebody away for twenty five years based on. I mean, when you look at these things, these things don't happen by accident. They always happen with, you know, people not just not doing their job, but doing, being bad actors. And yeah, yeah. He, he was, yeah, I mean, the, the, his case and the prosecutors and some of the police involved with his case have since been called out and been proven to be, you know, in other cases, some of the worst that Philadelphia has ever seen. So, yeah, they just keep holding on and they keep holding on to this day. And they're still I mean, fighting. To, they're still fighting now. They don't want to give him money. Yeah, that's amazing because, like, I would think, you know, seeing it from the outside, you know, my whole legal experience is seeing a few episodes of uh, of Matlock, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> And I would think, you know, a judge says that it literally he's walking out the door that day, that day. Right. And that's how we felt, too. We were like, oh, my God, it was so the day that happened. It was, you know, like that was like it felt like he was, you know, we thought it was going to be like free tomorrow, you know, or the next day or in a week. And then I still don't understand, you know, how like two years later, by two years in, I'm like what's even happening? Like, is it, what's going on? You know, like, and, you know, but they keep on, they just keep on holding on to what they do because even like, even now he's they're they're fighting, they're fighting him getting, um, what do you call that? When you get money back for the 25 years, they stole from your life. They don't even want to give him anything. Yeah. Which is so uh, crazy. I, so they're, they keep on holding on to their, nope, nope, we were right. We were right. Yep. Sorry. No. And it's just unconscionable because even when the whole world knows, and they clearly know too, because in this case, they're not even saying they were right. They're not saying they had it right. They're saying actually, and I mean, I'm paraphrasing here because again, I'm not a lawyer and to talk the legal stuff, you'd need the lawyers, but, um, yeah. but essentially they have admitted to wrongdoing, but they're saying they were allowed to do that because they're the police. That that's amazing, yeah. I, so. Yeah, every every part of that story is amazing. Both you know what 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 happened to him, obviously, but also the fact that you know it had such an impact on your life. Yeah, that's that that's really amazing to hear. Uh, so thanks so much for sharing your story, Tracy. And um, where can people find more out about you, the the work you're doing now? So and, they can, uh, uh, I always say when people ask me that, first, I always want to direct them to Jimmy. Because like I said, he didn't have a voice for 25 years and he does now. So before you worry about me, go listen to you know Tears This Year and please find Jimmy Dennis on all streaming platforms. I love saying that now because it used to be, you know, you could only hear if you wrote a letter to death row. <laughs> But now, yeah. nope, you can go listen. And then if you want, if you're interested in what I do, you know, in, I do work with uh, across industries with people, anybody who needs to get their message out from small business to creatives. And you can find me at lamorimedia.com. That's L-A-M-O-U-R-I-E media.com uh, or Tracy Lamori on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. And uh, yeah, and I'm happy to talk to anybody. So again, it's a PR company that was literally built on 
advocacy and, and saving an innocent man off death row. That's not what the work we ever did. That was, you know, I built the company after that based on the experiences that I learned how to deal with media and all that. But this company wouldn't exist if we hadn't decided to help a stranger. So, you know, we still are very heart centered. That's great. Thanks so much for joining me, Tracy. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. If you think you can top Tracy's story, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Gabatron?